Welcome to Wellington Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, United. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. States of America, good more than the rest of the world. You know, trying to get that in order sometimes in the morning when the crocodiles are still in your eyes. Ah, uh, it gets a little bit difficult. But you know what, folks? Guess what? We're getting started. Control room. Geniuses. The ones that keep all the tin cans and strings together. How are my peeps uh-huh. doing this morning? Here we are. I'm getting the crocodiles out of my eyes, too. You know, I actually <laughs> thought that the other day on, on Sunday morning. I thought, oh, man, I got the crocodiles in my eyes here. Got to get these things out of here. So I pour a little coffee into it, and boy, I'll tell you what, that'll get the crocodiles out of your eyes. Oh, yeah. Nothing like the first coffee in the morning. It gives you that feeling of, I am ready to get my day started. Yeah, Jack is uh, operating one of the computers here, but he wants to stop for just a moment and give us some wisdom. So, Jack. Okay, this is uh, going to be about old Mother Nature here. Uh, the capitalists might promise you profit, but mother is all we really got. Indigenous people call call it Turtle Island, Earth. You know, we all share this one planet, a spinning ball with a thin layer of atmosphere that houses Mother Nature, who sustains us, rotating and circling a star in an outer fan of the Milky Way galaxy that is turning and spinning itself, flying away from its origin center, the Big Bang, exploding and burning and expanding at a gazillion miles an hour in an envelope of the universe. Love, respect, revere Mother Earth. She's all we got. She is all that we've got. Did you write that one, brother? Yes, I did last night. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. And what again? I love it. Anyway, we are going to have a great program, especially having been brought in by those words from the one and only Jack Van Weber. Anyway, thank you for that, brother. Appreciate that. Uh, anyway, folks, but that that is so true, right? Uh, all we've got is this piece, this, you know, a lot of folks don't realize how slim that atmosphere is compared to the size of the earth, compared to what rests on the other side. And if we screw that up, that is, that is life-sustaining atmosphere. So very true. So very true. Anyway, Egberto, yeah. that, that thin layer, there's only about six miles of it that are breathable atmosphere. Yeah. The whole rest of it is stuff that's not breathable. Exactly right. The oxygen level gets so thin so quickly uh, it's not livable. So it is amazing how thin that layer is that we so depend on. And, uh, you know, it's something we've got to care for. And, you know, for all those that continue to try to make excuses, you know, there are all these new theories, Jack, that's coming out that's trying to get people deflected from, well, 
this climate change that we're going through is one particular cycle. The earth always go through the heating and cooling cycles. All of that is true. But what the earth is going through right now is, let's, let's remember something important, very important. All the oil and the carbon and all these chemical, the, these elements that are, in, that is, are in the ground are elements that once flew around in the atmosphere that, that actually prevented the type of life, the type of human life to be there. There, there was some other type of life, you know, but, but your oil, your carbon, uh, or rather, your oil, your plant, all these things that have grown millions for millions and millions of years, the dinosaurs, all these other animals, they, carb they, they broke down into your, what they were formed up, carbon, and was sequestered in the earth, as in, uh, the elements sequestered in the earth. It, it should be noted that if you take a look at concentrations of carbon dioxide, something that we can't breathe in. Plants turn into cellulose. We can't breathe into. The mere fact that that is rising, whether we have cyclical temperature changes in the world, the fact that that atmosphere that you spoke about, Jack, is changing to such a degree. Concentrations that have gone up by more than 1% in the last 100 years or so. That should tell us something. No matter what theories people come out with, we are changing the makeup of the atmosphere that was created by the sequestration of carbon over the last several million years. And in, in a few hundred years, we have changed that, that, uh, that composition. So don't let people fool you about every 25,000 years we have an ice age and all that kind of stuff. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the change in the chemical buildup the chemical makeup of our atmosphere. So folks, please don't let them use uh, smoke and mirrors on you. We have to change from burning fossil fuels to some sort of a renewable energy so that this, this constant change in the composition of the atmosphere to put us where we were at some time millions of years ago, but doing it quickly, we've got to stop it. Anyhow, hey, thank you for giving me a, a one, one rant period there, Jack. <laughs> anyhow, 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 let's get back to business. Title of the show today is, let's see what we got here. It is, and I'm on the wrong page. I've got to pick the page up. Corporate media sides with CEOs. Bill Hunt has a message for Democrats. And I just typed Tommy Tuberville. Anyhow, Tommy Tuberville makes a fool of himself one more time. Yesterday, he showed that he absolutely knew nothing about the military, yet he is tasked with holding the military leadership hostage. One senator, we've got to change the rules. The Senate is already not a democratic institution, and with some of its rules, it's even worse what it has done. So we've got to take care of that. Anyway, second story is uh, Sanders rips coverage by the corporate media of the Lumen UAW strike. And I think I'm going to start with that one because that one really has me irate. Democratic activist Bill Hunt has a message for Democrats. 
I tell you what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with that one. And then we'll go into the one with Bernie Sanders and the UAW, statements on the UAW. And if we have more time, we will go to the one with Superville. Though, who really cares about Superville? But let's go ahead and, and play Bill on because uh, what the brother has to say about uh, where we're heading to is really true. So here we go. Without further ado. Bilhan is a very good friend of mine. He's a PDR supporter from its inception. And he's also a fellow Berniak who campaigned, who walked the streets, who uh, canvassed, who prepared. Doc- I mean, we did a whole lot together uh, with, within the progressive mo- movement. So, um, one of the things that he does a lot of times is he brings us back to reality. I mean, many of us in, in, in the urge to make sure that the right people win elections, we let a lot of things go unsaid. And he's not that way. He uh, sometimes uh, sometimes we have to try to say, hold up a bit, Bill. Hold up a bit, Bill. We get you. You're right. But right is not enough. But. As the polls are telling us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Right now, and I know a lot of people want to say, look at the polls today and remember what it was for uh, Obama a few years back, what it was for Reagan a few years back. What I try to tell people is these are different times. So we have to look at how people are feeling and why and how and what are the differences between the angst of today with the angst of yesteryears, the angst of yester decades? And if we don't, we do it at our own peril and we may wait too long before we take corrective actions. I want you to listen to what Bill has to say here, because a lot of times uh, if you if you listen to his wordiology, you may think, well, you know, that is some of the stuff that you hear the Republicans saying. But unfortunately, it is some of the uh, things that we are not only hearing from Republicans, but we are hearing from uh, Democrats. I I, I want you to listen to him and then we'll take it on the other side. Hey, this is Bill Han from the Humble Area Democrats. Bill has some issues that he wants to discuss. In fact, he had a prescient question that I think every Democrat should ask every American citizen. Talk. How do you feel when you leave the grocery store? Well, as it turns out, you said that question was posted somewhere. Yes. And that there were 137 comments. Tell me what a little bit about those answers. You are negative. They were all, you know, inflation is eating away at my disposable income. I'm wondering how I'm going to feed my family at the end of the month. And all comments to that effect. The average voter is not feeling a good economy. 
Let me tell you something, Bill. I, I, I gave a rant on Daily Coast that created a, one of those huge amount of comments where I stated that Democrats have to go out there and stop talking about issues about how, just like you mentioned there, the economy is great and all the numbers are great. You have to be out there saying why these people are feeling what they are feeling. And why are, why are they feeling what they're feeling? Please tell me. What was the great question that Reagan asked at the end of one of the debates? Are you doing better today than you did yesterday? To that, something to that effect. Four years ago. Yeah. Are you better off now than you were four years ago? I think that question won the election for him. Right. And if that answer isn't what it's supposed to be, what you're supposed to be doing is campaigning on the issues that say, this is why it isn't better and this is why we are going to do why, how we're going to make it better, correct? I don't believe they want to. They have to pass legislation that directly benefits the working class. And get Bidenomics is nothing more than another version of trickle-down. Explain. Instead of doing it with tax cuts, they're doing it with subsidies. They're giving money to the corporate world, hoping that some of it trickles down to the working class. And explain, because there's something else interesting. A lot of those those policies that were passed uh, during the, the COVID are starting to expire right when they're around election time. And isn't it true that people are starting to feel the pain Absolutely. of that expiration? Well, you know, inflation eats away. It, it, when inflation increases faster than your wages, your impression of how you're doing declines. Bill Hunt. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I get it. I get it. The numbers are great. And we take a look at how uh, that, that the average wage is uh, growing faster than inflation. All those things are true. But what is also true is the disparity continues. What is also true is that these changes in people's state of being, in their financial state of being, isn't uh, distributed evenly among those, specifically those who want to vote free. And Bill points out something important. A lot of all these benefits, why do you think we have a, 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 a by, by, uh, by party, bipartisan infrastructure bill? Not because Republicans want it to be bipartisan, because it more than likely assisted more of the business class than anyone else. All those come. Yes, it's going to create jobs. Yes, it's going to be creating a few better paying jobs. But the people that are cleaning house are those who own these companies, etc. When he talks about the wage increases again, if we have 10 percent of the people get their wages increased by 10 percent and everybody else get their wage increased by 2 percent, the combined increase in wages looks like ah, six or so percent, but the reality is that's not the case. It is skewed somewhere else. So we have to look at all the, the big picture and we have to go where people are. We have to talk to people and we have to make sure that the policies we are going to support going forward support the people. The problem is getting policies passed for the people is so much more difficult than getting policies passed that make 
businesses happy. That is why we have to educate us all so that we force politicians to do what's right. Yesterday, Bill, uh, we had one of our uh, state reps at the uh, meeting last night, and he really questioned every single amendment, including the amendments that Democrats were supporting, because what he noticed was that, yes, we're supporting these policies, but it always seems when it comes to making sure everybody have broadband, it first satisfied the corporations who provided, who are going to provide broadband. When it comes to all these features to help people, it's as if the money has always got to be filtered through those with means. Bill Hun uh, has, uh, his statement may seem uh, harsh many times, uh, difficult to hear, but something we better take heed to because he represents the Democratic base uh, as well. And he is in a community that sees some of these issues. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's not it's not easy sometimes when uh, you have somebody that comes in and bucks the system on all sides. And I think it is important. Uh, it's very important for people to realize that. Welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. He says, hi, I am here to see if any person's attacked. We don't attack people. You know that, uh, Eric Hayes. You're a part of the PDR Pasty. Hell, you even come to ask Egberto anything on the weekends. And, uh, and you're an active participant, sometimes with, with voices completely counter to what many others in the group has. And you're always giving your kudos and respect. That's who we are. We respect absolutely everybody, every point of view. Uh, we have ours. When I say we, I'm talking about uh, politics done right in general has a point of view. So let, let's, uh, let's remember. Okay, he said, uh, I, I hope that um, it, that improves. I don't understand why the volume would drop, but I hope that it has come back because I am looking at the levels here and the levels look Fine. So anyhow, let's uh, let, let's continue here. The title, the, the second subject that I wanted to cover. And by the way, folks, the telephone number is 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Give us a call. Uh, and uh, what we'll do is talk about that particular issue. So um, here is the deal. As you know, the UAW is in the act of negotiating a new contract. And I think we kind of covered this a few sessions back, a few programs back. And it's a bit upsetting. And uh, because, as we mentioned, if you take the salary of a UAW worker today, it is 5% less. 5% 5% less than uh, it was uh, than it was before. And I think it's important because if you look at the salary of the CEOs, their salary has gone up by 40%. You didn't hear that wrong. Their salary has gone up by 
10%. So it is ironic. It is ironic that these guys are somehow given the impression that somehow they are not doing well. It is ironic. So uh, Bernie wrote an article. Bernie wrote an article. Well, Bernie wrote an article that was covered in Common Dreams that I want to uh, cover here. It's called, it says, Corporate media always side with CEOs. Sanders rips coverage of Lumen UAW strike. It is a totally reasonable demand that auto workers who have made enormous financial sacrifices over the past 40 years finally receive a fair share of the record-breaking profits their labor has generated. Uh, I, I, and it, go, it starts this way. U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders on Tuesday blasted corporate media coverage of United Auto Workers' contract demand and Lumen strike, echoing a, release, a video released last week by UAW amid negotiations with vehicle manufacturers uh, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis. A short list of media conglomerate control the vast majority of what the American people see, hear, and read. Uh, and that is clearly on display with the labor conflict between the union and the big three, Sanders argued in a statement, highlighting that the major reasons as to why auto workers might go out on strike have been rarely, if ever, the focus of the corporate media's coverage. In, first, in the first half of 2023, and these are the numbers that I really want you to concentrate on now. This is like very important. In the first half of 2023, the big three automakers made a combined, again, the first half of 2023, a combined $23 billion in profits, up 80% from the same period last year, Sanders noted. But if you watched any corporate news coverage of the pendant strike by 150,000 auto workers, you've heard about the strike's potential negative effects on the economy and a litany of excuses why very well compensated CEO just can't make a fair deal. The chair of the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee continued You won't hear that last year. The CEO of General Motors raked in about $29 million. One person, one person, $29 million in compensation. The CEO of Ford, one person, made $21 million. The CEO of Stellantis pocketed over $25 million. In fact, over the last four years, pay for those CEOs has increased by more than 40%. You won't hear that the average starting wage at the big three today is around $17 an hour, less than a number of non-union auto plants around the country, and that the top wage is $32, $32 an hour. You won't hear that unbelievably over the last 20 years, the average wage for American auto workers has decreased by 30%. You won't hear that after adjusting for inflation. You won't hear that auto workers at the big three 
are earning less today than they did 15 years ago. In other words, wage stagnation. People, people, when you, if, if you listen to what the UAW is asking for and what they're telling you on TV, oh my God, these guys are going to hurt our economy. Oh my God, these guys are going to cause uh, billions of dollars to be lost. Where is the concern that they're not making what they made 15 years ago? Where is the concern that the CEOs continue to rake in a whole lot of profits? Let me tell you something else that they don't tell you. They don't tell you that sales of cars went down, but the prices of cars went right straight up and the profits went straight up. In other words, I use less material because I, I make less cars. I increase the prices of the cars, which means I'm not only make, using, having to purchase less material, I'm making more money on the materials that I've already purchased. And all that spoils, all the spoils of that increase in, in prices, et cetera, inflation, didn't go to the average American worker, to the, to the auto worker. All that inflation went to the executives. Yet they want to make the worker the villain. They want to make you feel like you are demanding something undeserved. We have to stop allowing the corporate media and all these others, other folks, to change what reality is. We have got to stop and prevent them from changing what reality is. Of course, none of this is new. The corporate media will always side with CEOs and shareholders, he added. Despite what you might hear in the corporate media in the coming days, what the UAW is fighting for is not radical. It is the total responsible demand that auto workers who have made enormous financial sacrifices over the past 40 years finally receive a fair share of the record-breaking profit their labor has generated. And let's remember that all the profits that any corporation makes, every penny, every single penny of these profits are created on the backs of workers. So workers don't need to apologize for asking for their share of the increased profits that they're getting. They shouldn't apologize for the inflation in the cars when the inflation in the cars has nothing to do with supply and demand, but exactly what again? But with corporations saying, we want to increase the margin for our, our shareholders and margins for our executives, but they care not. They do not care about the American worker. So folks, when you're watching the news and you're seeing, and they make you believe like these workers are asking for something that they don't deserve. They want more money than anybody else gets. When you hear that on the news media, remember who pays for the news media. Remember whose money is paying for all of this. Let's not forget that again. Who's on the worker side? Now, I don't believe in just complaining and complaining without solution. And the great thing about when you have UAW, you don't have to have somebody, a mouthpiece on the radio on KPFT saying, oh, here are the solutions because the UAW has the solution. And that is to say, if you don't give us what we're asking for, 
which isn't something that's undeserved, we will walk, we will strike. That is the solution. The solution is for workers, all workers, unions or otherwise, to say, you don't pay us our worth, you don't pay us for that profit that you're making, you don't pay us for that Mercedes-Benz that you have, for that, uh, uh, I don't even know the name of expensive cars, uh, for that Ferrari that you have, if you want to drive that, uh, you pay us. Because remember, the only reason you can drive the Ferrari or you can drive the, the, the BMW or whatever expensive car you can drive is because we, the worker, have produced more than produce value for you. So the solution is exactly what the UAW is doing. Along with this statement calling out the corporate media, Sanders on Tuesday published an opinion piece in The Guardian urging Americans to stand in solidarity with the UAW and create an economy that works for all, not just a privileged few. The ironic thing about it, folks, and I'm coming to you in a minute, Augie, the, the, the amazing thing about it, my dear brothers and sisters, is the following. If you pay the average American worker more, it creates a more vibrant economy. And the reason it creates a more vibrant economy is because people with lower means, people that are not the executives, all the extra money that they get, they pay off bills, they buy more stuff, they have more vacations. So more things happen and the wealth is spread around more evenly, right? In other words, if that CEO doesn't make $21 million, but instead makes $1 million, which is more than he's worth, instead of making, what has that CEO done? I repeat, what has that CEO done in and above the worker who is building that car for him to make thirty for him to make twenty-one million dollars when that other person is making sixty thousand dollars? What's the point? Or what gives him the authority? What gives him the worth to make twenty-one million dollars? That's the question every American worker should be asking. Why are executives those people who direct me, but I make, I create the labor, I create the product, I create the intellect. Why should they make in the order of millions, and I'm making $60,000 and trying to be able to afford my health insurance and trying to be able to afford all these things, while he or she makes $21 million for doing very, very little. Things, that's how, you, and I don't want to hear well, you know, that's how things have always been. What I want to hear is exactly what the UAW is doing. This is what we demand. Let's listen to Augie before I continue on my uh, perpetual rant on what we need to do. And before Augie comes in, folks, remember, 713-526-5738. I would love to hear your voices. 713-526-5738. Make your voices heard. Everybody, let's hear what you got to say. Augie, come on in, my brother. Hi. Well, if I used to be a union member with uh, Southwestern Bell, and I participated in about at least three strikes, and that's the only way we got our benefits. And it's funny, in the 70s, uh, the CEOs, uh, uh, they would talk to us and say, we're part of a team. And... uh and we felt like it back then, but then in the eighties, management changed, and uh, it, 
and I used to be in the military during Vietnam, and we would talk about the uh, triad we had in the military, nuclear triad. Yeah, I remember uh, the triad. Nuclear bombers, submarines, and missiles. Well, in the 70s, it was like that. We had our triads. We had the, our shareholders, but doing, we had the employees and the customers that to think about. But in the 80s, we had a CEO, when he talked to the employees, when he was brand new, he said, well, we got to worry about our shareholders. We got to work for our shareholders. He left out the employees and customers. And that's when benefits for the employees and customer, I mean, for the employees started to go down. Uh, employees to be rewarded for how many years they were with the company. They were given awards for their birthdays. They were given awards for being safe. They were given awards for sales. In the 80s, all that started to go away. We didn't have a celebrations for being safe, for our sales, for our birthdays. And we were just like, now they thought of us just as machines to make them well. Because let me, let, me, time, let me ask you to pause there a second, Augie, because you said something that is important. And I like to break in when I highlight an important statement that you've made. Before I highlight it, I want to say welcome, uh, Valdes BTW, and welcome, Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain, uh, to, the, to the chat. Anyway, what I want to say uh, is that you said in the 70s, we were still on that cusp where the employee mattered. But let me tell you also what happened in the 70s. The god of capitalism, his name is, the new god of capitalism, I should say, his name is Milton Friedman. He wrote an op-ed in, I think it was the New York Times, where he pointed out to executives of corporations something that is very important to them. And he said, You're, you, you are not responsible for the environment. You are not responsible for social issues. You are not responsible for anything other than maximizing the profits for the shareholders. And when you tell me, Brother uh, Augie, that you had that CEO that, that gave a speech to the people and said, remember, uh, what we are working for the shareholders. That's exactly the time span or close to the time span uh, in the, in the same, uh, in, within a decade where Milton Friedman reminded executives, they are, was, they are not there to make lives better for you as a stakeholder. They are not there to make lives better for the customer as a stakeholder. They're only there to maximize profits for the shareholder. And so you lived through that transition. Continue, my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember Milton Friedman. And then I, and then I remembered one more thing. Franklin Roosevelt uh, made all those billionaires pay taxes for the first time because during World War II because uh, middle class and the lower class, they weren't just paying their taxes, they were sacrificing at home. They were buying right. war bonds on top of paying taxes. They were the women were sacrificing not wearing nylons. The men uh, were sacrificing not having rubber tires for their cars and a lot of other stuff. And when the war was over, we had all this money for the GI bills and for the GIs, and then we had money for the Marshall Plan for Europe. And we right. had money for construction when Eisenhower came in in the 50s. for, uh, and, and that was because we had all this money because the billionaires were being taxed. But the, the billionaires didn't like that. Right. So it, uh, they, they got together. You know, and, it, it uh, is yeah, funny because, uh, uh, let me tell you, Augie, 
for all, you know, uh, the first thing they taught America, if you watch the news, they taught you that the money is not there. They teach you that somehow we have to live in a permanent state of, of um, austerity. But when, it is th- when they, there are things that they want to do, suddenly we can expand the money supply. Let's give an example with Ukraine. Look, I, am not, I, I understand we don't want Russia to invade other countries, etc. But it's amazing that we could find uh, 10% of our defense spending could easily be turned over to, let's say, uh, Ukraine, right? No problem. We could find the money to do that. We can find the money to reinflate Wall Street when it created its own collapse. We can always find the money for the things we want to do. We found the money for the Marshall Plan. You mentioned the Marshall Plan that rebuilt Europe. Uh, we, we, could find, we always find the money for the things that we deem important. Again, what it shows you is um, most of the American workers or the American people are not deemed important to those who matter. Uh, and that is the rest of the people. Give me a closer real quick, uh, Augie. Okay. Yeah, well, at the end of the war, the billionaires got together and they say, how can we get uh, back to getting our money again? Well, they attacked the communists first. Right. That's why we had uh, all those anti-communist things in the late 40s. And, and then the next group they attacked was the socialists. Because the communists, socialists, and the unions are the ones that supported Franklin Roosevelt. And so then they said, what groups do we need to attack? But they attacked them one at a time. They attacked the communists first, the socialists, and the last group to attack was the unions. And man, they went all out on the unions, and they've been after them ever since. Uh, you know why? Because that is collective. They hate that word collective. But anyway, Augie, let me run and get to Lynette. Uh, and uh, and uh, thank you so kindly for calling. Thank you for all you do, my brother. All right, let's go ahead and bring Lynette in. But before I get Lynette, let's go ahead and say call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. I want to hear your voices on these issues. Lynette, come on in. Good morning. Hello. Thank you for having my call. Um, I think that was Augie that was speaking about that work for Southwestern Bell. Yes. So I also worked for Southwestern Bell back in the 80s. And he was totally right because we had a union. I remember when the unions were broke up. I remember when we got new management in. It's like everything changed. But the union people worked together. I also worked through a couple of strikes, two, three, I can't even remember. But the other thing, too, is that we had a... a, a a team, it was called PMEI, Participative Management Employee Involvement, where the management and the employees work together to see what works for the employee. And so our union and our management work together so that we can come up with a solution so that our, our wages were equitable. But um, now Southwestern Bell has changed. It's uh, AT&T. The baby bells all broke up. Uh, but anyway, I just kind of I was excited to hear him talk about the unions. And it's like my father used to say every 20 years, things changes. And so now it's like we have to fight to get those unions back just so people can be paid equitably. The other thing I wanted to add to that, we have so many nonprofits. You know, they do great work, blah, blah, blah. But if things were equitable, we would not need nonprofits and for all these corporations and, and organizations to give to the nonprofits. Everybody would just be getting paid at more than a livable wage. But that's all I wanted to say. So thank you so much because I have to go get my kids out the door. <laughs> okay. Thank you so kindly, Lynette. Lynette, what you said was extremely important. Thank you for your call, my friend. Thank you. Great right. job. Thank you, Lynette. 
look, uh, I I love Lynette said something in that that part. She has to run to her kids, so uh, she's won't be able to have that dialogue with me here. But when she said this, she said there were times in her time at SWB Southwestern Bell where the, the the employees and management sat together. They made things better for the employee with wages, etc. Look, you create a happy employee. You have an employee who treats the customer better. That it all works together. There's nothing wrong with having well-paid employees and not executives who are getting overpaid on the backs of the employee. Things just work better. Also, you get better circulation of your money supply. Remember, a dollar in the bank does absolutely nothing. But a dollar in the bank with a particular, a whole bunch of dollars under the ownership of one or two or three or however small amount of people, they dictate how the economy is going to go. They can hold that money in the bank without spending. It does nothing for the economy. They can invest it in, in, in articles in South Africa or in articles in, or in, in, in things in, in Great Britain or in France or whatever that has very little to do with the success of the American economy. I mean, what we need is, and what we have to remember, first of all, is there is no reason for executives to make the kind of money over the regular American worker. They, it is unearned. It is, it, is a, it, it is, you know, people always like to give the average American citizen about when they talk about entitlements. You know, Social Security, that's an entitlement. We need to reduce entitlement. The biggest entitlement in this country has nothing to do with Social Security. It has nothing to do with Medicare. It has nothing to do with Medicaid. It has nothing to do with child care. It has nothing to do with all these social services that makes humanity better, that make things better for human beings in the country. Those are not the, those are not the giveaways that, that uh, they would like you to believe. You see, they have changed our mindset. They have changed your mindset that things that we do collectively good for society as a whole is something, a, a bad thing, an entitlement that shouldn't be there. That's the mindset they're putting in your head. They're putting in your head to equate entitlements for the workers as a negative, right? Entitlements for the workers, they want you to think it's a negative. That way you can go against your brother and your sister when they're asking for what they deserve. So they want you to not like unions. They want you to go against the UAW's strike against the, the mega corporations that they're paying their shareholders a bunch. They're paying their work, their executives a bunch. The people that least produce for that company are the ones that make the most. It's called capitalism, folks. That's not how it's defined for you. They want to define that as democracy for you. That's not democracy. Democracy is free enterprise. Democracy is free enterprise. The idea that you can create your company and do good things. And when I say make a good living for yourself, as you make a good living for those who work for you. Right? But the other economic system is one that says you are but a machine. And we, dis- we pay the machine the least possible, the human machine. As we replace the human machine with the robotic computerized machine, eventually, 
you know, we don't even need most of you. It's we have got to wise up and we have got to allow to stop allowing these people, the plutocracy, the oligarchy, the wealthy, from changing our mindset against ourselves to be against ourselves. We have got to change our mindset. We have got to re-educate ourselves because this, this indoctrination starts at birth. This indoctrination starts at birth so much so that it has become a part of our being that anybody that's trying to make things right for all of us is a kook. We, make, we, we, we have all kinds of names for the people that are trying to make your lives better, right? We have people coming against your own interests, right? Think about it. You know, let, let me show you a mindset here. Eric says, you will have more employment. The CEO won't be replaced. The worker will. Think about that. I want you to think about that. We have somebody in the chat who is telling you, be scared. Be very scared. Don't bug the system because you will be replaced. Let me show you. That is a mindset. That is saying the following. That is forgetting that there are more workers than there are executives. There are more workers than there are shareholders. But you should be scared that the, that the, that the, uh, that the CEO will be there and not you, the employee. That is how you lose your power. And that's, believe it or not, why they don't want unions. Because collectively, we have power. Collectively, there are more of us. People, the mindset that I just read to you, the enslaved, the, the mindset of, of, of chains in one's mind, that is what we have to fix. Look, I've had chains in my, on my, my, in my mind before, but I've extricated those. I have learned to change the, the, the indoctrination that I had, including when I came to the country and learned economics the very first time. I remember, and I wrote this in my book as I see it, right? Uh, as I, 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 I pointed out that, hey, the mindset was there to fool you. Eric, you say, Egberto, UAW situation will cause more unemployment. No, it will not. If you pay, the, it, it will shift employment. They see, the, the people may want to reduce employment some. But what's going to happen is that more employment will occur as those people who make more money buy more sandwiches. The sandwich shop would, would employ more. Buy more of many other things. Anyway, let's go to Johnny real quick, and then we'll go to Art. Come on in, Johnny. Oh, let me get into the garage real quick. <laughs> All right. Now I'm in the dead zone. I can speak to you with no reverb. But, uh, speaking of machines... I was thinking of uh, chickens, poultry, actually, because we call them poultry, so we yes. so we make it easier to kill them. So we get the bunch of chickens in the in the, the truck. They arrive at the slaughtering plant. They wring their necks, whatever they do to them. They hang them upside down when they're still half alive. And by the time they're done at the end of the other conveyor belt, they're stripped of their feathers. They're de 
and they're de-skinned, and it's a horrible process to look at. I saw the videos of it. Right. And what what I'm thinking when you're talking about machines, the mindset, you mentioned mindset. You're making right. excellent points, and this is why I want to dovetail with the mindset of the Republican Party and the corporate national oligarchs. They have a, I want to say, they're, they're kind of evil in the way that they do things. They in the same way that they treat animals as machines, heartless machines with no feeling, no thought, no kind of uh, uh, consciousness, they take that same approach with employees, human beings, who do the slaughtering. And likewise, the humans, when they're young, school kids, they want to do the same thing in Harris County. That military mindset. They want right. to train wrap it up for me in one minute, uh, Johnny, because I got callers coming in. Go ahead. What I'm saying is, we're turning. What they, they, their goal is to uh, reduce children down to workable units where they That's, minimize their humanity. They don't want them to breathe. Stop and right to, there. Stop right there. Stop right there. You nailed it. You just nailed it. Don't say anything after that. You nailed exactly what's going on. From a notice I had said earlier from the from the beginning, you nailed it. And if you notice, Lynette inferred that as well. That is the magic moment. Thank you, Johnny. Anything else real quick? Ten seconds. Yes, Frank Luntz is evil, and we need to take away his power, and we need to start telling other folks that words do matter. Russ Thank Limbaugh, you, Johnny. That was one thing that he said that was right. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate you. Let's go to Art. Come on in, Art. Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So I've been in the union for about 10 years now. And just some things I've learned and that I think everybody could apply to themselves. Though I'm in a union, and they may not be, these are some things I've noticed. Uh, so if I have to use my personal phone, I can charge for that. This applies to a lot of people that work at different department stores, tool stores, uh, big box stores. I see them using their personal phones to look up items. And I ask them, are you getting reimbursed for that? Are they giving you a They're like, no. Like, well, they should give you their company phone. You're using your minutes, your time, your effort paying a bill for this company. I don't think that's right. Some will be like, man, I never thought of it like that. Right. Like, yeah. So that's one. Overtime, when you work past 40 hours, don't look at it as making extra money. Look at it as penalizing that company for not having enough staffing. There you Every go. minute I'm over overtime, I look at it as like, oh, I'm going to fatten my pocket. No, I look at it as like I'm penalizing them with double time because they won't hire enough people. We're short staffed. They don't write, they don't, you know, hire the right amount. Uh, people for these, you know, and this applies to everyone. Good art. Thing. And give taking me the third. The last is uh, just taking a break. Uh, you may be, ha you may have a right to, you know, take a break. Uh, I know there was something over the summer about not taking water breaks. Right. That's just common sense. I don't, I don't think we need a law for that. I mean, if you're thirsty, be a man, be a woman, get some water, take it with you. You don't need to ask. You're not in prison where, and we have that prison mentality that some of us do. Hey, right. boss, can I go? 
Let's go. All right, so I have some more calls coming in, and we're near the end. But you know, you nailed it. You made those points. Very important. Thank you. I mean, you all, we, we have to support the union, and I think you do, correct? Okay. All right, Brian, come on in. Yeah, I want to touch back on uh, Vietnam for you. Oh. Okay. All right, so uh, the American Indian that I, I was talking about, he was the most uh, upset person that, that I ever met in the military because he was so uh, abused. But, uh, you know, it, it, he was called Baby Killer. And again, uh, what happened in 1973? We pretty much pulled out of Vietnam, correct? Yeah. It was pretty much over. Yeah. What, what also took place in 1973? Legalized abortion. Nixon got impeached. What yeah. else you want? Yeah. No, 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 no. That's that's not the point. Roe v. Wade, correct? Legalized abortion. Now, who called who baby killers? Um. Okay. I don't. I don't know what you're trying to say here, uh, Brian. But let's be clear here, okay? I'll, I'll answer that. I'll answer that question for you. Well, the American do. military was called baby killers, but yet it was legalized abortion. Women killed babies, correct? Okay. Well, no, that's, that's not that is not correct at all, my friend. And let let me let me tell you something. Well, you can have you can uh, Brian can have a religious belief that an unborn child is a human being. You can believe that, and you can live that if you'd like to. But as a man, you as a man has no right to tell a woman who a fetus is dependent on her body that she must what she must do with her body again you may not believe that and that is fine but you have no right to tell that woman what to do with her body and it's and it is in no comparison with Vietnam in fact uh, making that comparison with Vietnam is a very it, it, it's a very patriarchal evil thing to do my dear brother because i tell you what Opening up, having a group of Vietnam, uh, old Vietnam people go into a village and machine gun that village, man, woman, and child. That is what we were talking about. Do not try to equate that, my dear brother, with what women are doing. It, de it destroys one's credibility to try to equate those two. And notice I'm a bit forceful in my voice because doing that to women is what you're doing there, sir. That is wrong. I've always given you the time to express yourself. But equating Vietnam and abortion... Hold on, sir. I made you speak, and now I will speak, sir. Equating that to what women, uh, with women having abortions is terrible. Brian, I have two more calls. We can finish this tomorrow. Come on in, line number one. You don't have to put it up there if, if at all. But line number one, come on in. Oops, I lost you. Come on in, line number two. I lost you too. All right. Anyhow, I, uh, I hung up on me. Anyway, folks, um, I'm sorry about that, but I think if line number two is there, come on in. If anybody's on the line, come on in. All right, I guess that's gone. But anyway, the reason I, I got a bit irate about that comparison, my brothers and my sisters, is too often people with penises think they can tell a lady what to do with her body or that they are all knowing. I'm sorry. 
uh, I, I, that doesn't compute here, my dear brothers and sisters. You can have your religious belief and you can live your religious belief and you can live whatever your thoughts are. But once you start to impose it onto others, that is where it ends. Uh, that is where it ends. Come on in line number one. We don't have to, we don't have much time. Line number one, Der Derek, come on in. Thank you for Derek, addressing that, Alberto. Yeah, yeah, thanks for addressing it like that, Alberto. Uh, quickly, uh, Brian, uh, I, I hate that you see things like that, but Bob Marley had a song that says you're running away, but you can't run from yourself. If if you if you constantly harping talking about baby killers and you felt that that's exactly what you done when you was over there in the war, I mean you you did it at the behest of politicians. So so yeah yeah. In fact, do you looking at yourself in the lens of of, of what you have done? Guilty guiltiness is such of a horrible thing, and that's all I'm calling to say. Thank you so kindly, Derek, for your call. I mean, uh, that, that one really got to me because, you know, women take a hell of a lot. And look, yours truly used to be a sexist. And I am, a, I am definitely intent on atoning for that. Intent. Intentional. Anyway, the show is over. So let's jump, jump to the control room. My dear brother in the control room, please go. Well, what a mighty fine show you had, Egberto. We certainly appreciate your efforts, and also you just put the truth out there. So I'm going to let Jack wrap it up, uh, and Jack is going to push the buttons on getting out of here. So, Jack, what you got? What does a CEO done for his worth? Steal wages from the workers. Absolutely. So thank you so kindly, Control Room, El Senor Howard and Jack. We couldn't make this stuff without you. Anyway, folks, thank you guys for your ears. Thank you for listening. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.